Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. My name is April Lovett. And my name is Daryl Lovett. We've been together for five years, and we have a three-year-old sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and smiley baby boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we co-own The Lovett Company. That's right. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. Oh, yes. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we want to share with you how we manage to run our side business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we'll be talking about working towards success, overcoming failures, and just living our everyday lives. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk Concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they have found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Success in Black and White, the podcast. This week, we are finishing up our School of Leadership series with our final episode on leading up, which again is one of the hardest things that you have to do when you have to lead your leader or lead your boss. So this is it. This is the last one. That's right. This is it. We're finishing up this series. This is the final episode and we're excited about it. So Yes, and then we're excited to bring you even more great content coming next week, but it'll not be in the School of Leadership series. You're going to have something entirely brand new, and we are super excited to bring it to you. So Maxwell's fourth one is do more than manage, lead. He's really talking about just thinking within the broad context of how your decisions will impact the entire organization, which I think can be hard to do. It's great to think about when you think about leading up. It can be hard to do when you're not the leader, like, you know, the overall leader of the organization. Yeah. Um, It can be hard to think about how your decisions will impact the entire organization. Right. And what is standing out right now to me is because, like, you've said it throughout this series and you've said it throughout this particular episode, but we do a lot of leadership training, just so that you all know, and... This one right here, I feel like, is the most challenging in what we do when we're talking about the difference in managing and leading. But I feel like this one is the one that is the most interactive and engaging. Yeah. Um, And whatever questions you ask, I don't know exactly where you're going with this, but whatever questions you ask, I feel like the answers that we give or the examples that we give is going to show how engaging and how interacting this part of the episode can be because of the multiple implications that come along with managing versus leading. Mm. So I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Okay. Um, Just because, I mean, you know, when we teach, we talk about this. We do. When we do trainings, and having people identify, are you a leader or are you a manager? Everyone yeah. immediately throws their hands up. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. And then when we go through our, our interactive depth, activities yeah. and yeah. get a little bit in depth, people subconsciously don't even know that they identify themselves as managers. Yeah. 
And then when we talk them through different ways to make that shift, which I'm hoping and I'm thinking that we're going to cover in this part, it's kind of like a light bulb goes off. And then we come up with plans and with a with goals. I was going to say a goal sheet yeah. of how they can make that transition. So I'm very excited about this part. Y'all can't tell. I got excited. I don't know if y'all felt my energy level go up and my voice kind of go into that inspirational mode. Yeah, you got super excited. I did because because we cover this and we, we talk do. about this so much. And this is one of the most engaging and interactive parts of our leadership training. Yeah. And it's for me, it's probably the funnest because people identify one way. And then when we go through our activities and helping them self-assess, something else comes up. And then they're like, oh. And then they're like, oh. And it totally know. blows their mind. Right. But we don't leave them hanging there. We give them tools. Yeah, we do. We help them goal plan. And we help to navigate them in the direction of taking on more of the leadership as opposed to the managerial concepts and approaches and theories. Yep. So wherever you go with this, I'm excited. Let's go because my mind is definitely starting to pump right now. I mean, it was pumping throughout this whole episode, but it's, it's definitely pumping right now. So what's next? Well, so I'm okay. Well, I'm glad you asked me and I'm glad that my question is so general then because my question is just why is this so important that people learn how to lead instead of just manage and understand how their decisions impact everybody in the organization as a whole? Like, you you went over a little bit, but why? Yeah. Why is it so important? Oh, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So it definitely helps. You see the vision of the organization and it gives you clear direction when you're thinking from a leader's perspective as opposed to a manager. Because we talked about earlier, when you're managing up or you're managing, it's about specific tasks yeah. or accomplishing something specific where when you talk about leading up and you're talking about having that leader mentality your approach and your thought is more on the overall vision of the organization or department and it gives you more of a clear direction of where you're going together as an organization where you're going together as a team when you take that leader mentality uh yeah so i think that's number one why it's so important um i think that the next one that i would say is it puts you in a position to where you can take expectations and kind of prioritize them because wherever you go, you're going to have expectations. And when you're in a, a, a manager, a manager role or a managerial um, setting, like you have expectations, you know that they are there and you kind of just follow them as you're trying to accomplish specific tasks. But in a leadership role, you can take those expectations and prioritize them right? and then just kind of set the foundation of putting the expectations out there and how they are prioritized right. from an overarching perspective, not from a task perspective. Yes, agree. So um, I think that's very important. And you're not as effective when you're focusing on tasks versus focusing on big picture vision. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, you want me to keep going yeah. while they're coming? Okay, let me Come see. On. What's the next one? Um, I think that when you're thinking from a leader mindset, you're focused on creating that engagement. Right. Creating that buy-in. Right. As opposed to when you're thinking about it from a managerial perspective, it isn't so much about the engagement or the buy-in. It's more about making sure that the person is completing tasks. 
Right. The engagement doesn't really have to be there. It's you have this to complete. I need you to do this. Right. And it's hard to get that buy-in when people don't understand or have that clear direction that I mentioned earlier or know what the vision is to buy into something. Right. So when you're taking that leadership approach, you're giving and sharing that clear direction. You're setting the foundations for the expectations. You're creating the opportunity for engagements and building that buy-in. And then essentially it leads to results because that's what you're trying to get. Right. And it leads to those same results that you're trying to get as a manager Except when you have that engagement, you have that buy-in, the expectations have been prioritized and they're clear and your direction and your vision are clear. You're going to get people to work more efficient as a leader and they're going to produce those same results. And it may increase productivity, but it's definitely going to improve quality. I can tell you that much because when you're bought into something and you're getting that by exemplifying your approach through a leader's lens, not a manager lens, you're going to get that quality because people are going to be more bought in because they feel like um, they understand better and they are more invested. So from a broad context of being impacted and doing more than manage and leading, those are definitely ways that I think you can do that. Okay, yeah. And I mean, that is why it's so important. Yeah, I went there, y'all. Yeah, she let me go in for a minute. So my mind, I told you my gears and they're just pumping right now. So well, that's good. So while they're pumping, Uh do you have any specific examples that demonstrate the impact of this concept like from your life? Yeah, definitely. So early in my career, I definitely had a a manager mentality. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I kind of feel like that's pretty typical. Yeah, that's pretty typical. Yeah. So so early in my career, I definitely had a, a, a manager mindset or mentality. And I think that that was because I was still trying to navigate being a newer professional. And I was real cautious, like about exerting myself as a leader. Right. Because I was a young professional and I was still learning the system and I was still figuring things out. And I was in an entry level position. So you didn't have the positional. So I didn't have the positional title, but also I didn't have the confidence. Oh, yeah. okay. So early in my career, definitely I grabbed that manager mentality and mindset and I hung on to that thing and wrote that thing out. I'm like, hey, what are the tasks that I need to accomplish? Let me get these people on board. Hey, y'all, let's do this so we can accomplish this task. Hey, boss man, what's the next task? Cool. Hey, everybody, we got to get this done. Right. Like that was my mentality. That was my mindset. Yeah. So I think that as I evolved as a professional, as I grew and learned some more things and my confidence um, began to build, my mindset started to shift and I had a change in my attitude. And with that came some consistency in how I approach things which made me feel more comfortable with kind of shifting and adapting to that leadership mindset. Um, And and some of those consistencies were in my communication. Like I was communicating a little bit more consistently and how I was delivering my message. And I felt confident in that ability that I had developed. Um, So my focus transformed heavily to 
all right, how can I lead this group as opposed to how can I get this group to complete this task? So how can I lead this group to be, you know, successful? How can I inspire and motivate this group to strive for great success in what we're doing as an organization, as a business, which would entail and cover them completing their task? Right. Yeah. So, um, some of those accomplishments came definitely through me taking the organization as a whole mindset as a, as opposed to this specific task or this specific objective. Gotcha. And as you know, I moved up and some of it was positional. And as I gained more knowledge and experience as a professional, that switch happened from being a manager, which is how it initially was when i you know, was a new profession, a new uh, professional to how can I lead groups while making sure they understand the concept and the structure and the direction of the organization. They were also fulfilling what we needed them to fulfill. And like I said earlier, that buy in, once you get that buy in, then people will do anything for you. That's true. And that goes all the way back to what we were talking about earlier. When they help you be successful they're successful. Yep. So that's kind of how that happened. That would be my example. Early in my career, I was a manager and I managed people. And as I developed, built confidence and kind of expanded, you know, my professional lens, I definitely have shifted to that leader mentality. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I want to dive into Maxwell's fifth, fifth, uh, point and how to lead your leader well. And that is to invest in relationship chemistry. He says that people won't go along with you if they can't get along with you. Ooh. In order to, <laughs> I know, that was profound. Ooh. Yeah, it was profound. In order to lead up, connect with everybody on some level. So not just the people that you lead, your followers, not just your peers that we talked about last week, but also your leader. So... What's the upside to focusing on managing positive relationships with everybody that you work with? Everybody, including your leader. Every yeah. Is I feel like this, I feel like you're setting me up. I I'm not trying to. <laughs> I, I feel like you're setting me up with that question. The only reason why I feel like you're setting me up is because of the way that this episode has went. So I feel okay. like if you're asking me, what was what did you say? What was that question again? It's what's the upside to focusing okay. on managing positive relationships? Is there going to be a downside? There's going to be. Oh, a I knew it. I <laughs> felt like you were setting me up. All right. Um, so you asked me the upside first. Yeah. So what's the upside? I think the upside is being able to um, navigate different conversations. Yeah, definitely. And I think getting people to understand or or maybe not understand, but connect with your vision. Okay. I I think that that's an upside. So being able to talk through and and navigate through different conversations and getting people to connect with your vision. Okay. Is an upside. Um, If I had another one, I think that it develops credibility from a 360 viewpoint. What do you mean by that? Um, so it develops credibility from your side to them, but it also comes back full circle 
to where the credibility is not only accepted, but it's given. Um, that's what I mean by like a 360. Like it, it goes full circle when you're talking about credibility. Okay. So you have credibility um, and they have credibility because of what you you know, you've done. And I think that's an upside. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's what I mean by that. And maybe that is it 360? Is it 270 or is it 180? <laughs> it might I don't be 180. Know. It might be 180. I'm with I was thinking 360, but 360 is bring it right back to you. Yep. But I meant like back and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so I you're building you. credibility in yourself and you're building credibility for them, yeah. like vice versa. So maybe it is 180. Um, I agree too. And I think that leaders know, like they can see that what your relationships are in the workplace and yeah. how you get along with not only them, like it, it's, it's definitely important to care about your leader as a person and not just as like you are supervising and overseeing, like you're the overlord of this entire organization. Right. But it's important to care about them as people because they are people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I, could talk about that for a long time, but I'll just say that they are people. And I think that we should build relationships with them because they have the same human needs and emotions, right. you know, as, as we do. Mm-hmm. Humanity. Um, yeah. That's what I call it. Humanity, baby. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's important. I think that's definitely an upside to this. And not only that, but if they see how you're building relationships with everybody in the organization, they're going to be more likely to, Again, it goes back to trust. They're going to be more likely to trust you because they see that you are building relationships with not only maybe your staff or the people that follow you, but also your peers and also other leaders in the organization and that you truly care about people. Like, I don't care what organization you're in. I don't care what what uh, field you work in, even if it's like the most cutthroat, even if it's a if you are. What do we usually watch? Um, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, okay. If you're a lawyer on that show, you still have to have a connection with people. Yes. Because you're a human, right? So That's right. I don't care what field you're in. It's People are going to definitely look at you in a better light if you have the ability to manage, to build relationships, and then manage them with everybody that you work with. Yeah. And it helps foster um, the opportunity or foster the environment for networking. Yes. Which I think is very important. Um, totally agree. I was just trying to remember the question um, that you said, and you said like everyone. Did you say everyone? I did say everyone. Yeah, you said everyone. Yep. I know that stood out to me. That was in my brain. I'm like, everyone? Yep, everyone. So it definitely fosters that opportunity for networking. Yeah. Um, so I just want to add that in there because like everyone popped into my head. Everyone. So what's the downside to creating? Oh, my goodness. I knew it was a setup. That's tough. I know. I think it can be challenging if you're in a large organization or company. But I still don't see it as a downside, though. But I think it can be challenging trying to create relationships if we're going to use everyone you work with. It can be challenging. I think that there's times maybe that people might think that you're you have a separate agenda yeah or definitely you're fake yeah also i think that when you said that that just sparked another idea but i mean depending on like the level or the extent of the relationships that you're creating um in a large organization and you're talking about everybody like there's just that potential to create biases or misappropriation of communication okay 
You know what I mean? So, for instance, if you're a leader in an organization and you're creating relationships with everyone, not all of those relationships, and that's why I said the level and the extent of the relationships are going to be the same. So some of those people, just based off pure possibility, you're going to be closer with, you're going to create a stronger bond with, y'all are going to like similar things, y'all are going to agree on things, and and you're going to create that bond with them. So those biases are going to immediately come to the forefront. Right, that makes sense. And then when you talk about misappropriation of communication, if you're talking about a large organization and you have a chance to build a relationship with everybody and know everybody, but then you have biases or better or closer or tighter relationships with some people, you best to believe that if that person needs something and they pick up on that and they are in the organizational structure a little bit lower, they're going to feel comfortable coming to you and jumping over. Mm, So that's what I mean by the misappropriation of communication. Uh, So it could create problems within the hierarchy. It could definitely create that. I'm just trying to think of downsides. Yeah. It's basically what I'm doing, y'all. Yep. But that's the one that in- initially came to my mind. And I've seen that happen before, too. Oh, yeah. Where you've had a leader at the top who's just a little social butterfly. And they just go and talk to everybody and build these relationships with everybody. And because they have a similarity with someone because they drink the same beer or they go to the same night spots or they watch the same type of movies like that bond is there right so when they're passing each other in the hallways and having conversations the misappropriation of communication Mm. extends that opportunity Mm. for this person to feel like well hey let me talk to this person about this even though in organizational structure there may be some midpoints that they're supposed to or expected to kind of go through well, then if you're say you're a mid-level manager uh-huh. and you have an employee that has formed this relationship with the leader at the top. Right. Then as you as the mid-level employee who's this person's supervisor, but also reports to the person at the top. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for you to support a cause or support what's happening if, right. you, if they jump hierarchy and if you don't know what's going on. Right then how do you best support, either way, you supporting your leader or supporting your employee, it's hard for you to support what's happening when you don't know anything about it, right? Exactly. And you know what? That's the downside. That is a downside. Good call. My whole, thank you. You just brought that to light for me. But Yeah, you landed it. But that's the downside. Yep. Definitely the downside. Agree. So. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about number six, which is, be prepared every time you take your leader's time. Oh, I said this earlier. Time is the one commodity that we spend constantly yep. and can never be increased. Yep. I actually said that earlier. You That's so did funny say that. I actually didn't look at this before that. If you have meetings with your leader, go prepared with discussion points, but be open to their agenda if they have one. Oh, my Lord, that is loaded. It is and really that, loaded. And that is good stuff right there. Which yeah. you, hey, read that whole thing or whatever you just said. Say that one more time because yeah. so, so I'm, this I'm is thinking like, from a leader's mindset of yeah. what you just said. Say that again. So if you have meetings with your leader, go prepared with discussion points, but be open to their agenda if they have one. Like essentially, Ooh. you need to be the flexible one, not your leader. Good Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Yes. Do you want me to come talk to your staff for you or Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> no. No, but I mean, I think this is super important. This is something that I've learned along the way. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, one of the most technical things that I've learned that I always, I never thought when I was a new professional was a big deal was when you are setting a meeting with your leader, you go to them. And I was always just like, why? Like, I never understood that. Like, can't we just switch back and forth? Like, I don't get it. And then it finally clicked. Their schedule, you guys, if you have a leader at the top, they're, yeah, they're packed. They think we don't do nothing. Yeah. They're packed, right? Like, your day is packed, This means a lot. Yes, Yes. Lord. And so it means a lot to Mm -hmm. meet them where they're at. Very important to us. Meet your leader where they're at. What makes it easiest for them, and this is honestly, again, we're talking all about leading up. And if you want to lead up, you need to meet your leader where they're at, whether that is physical space, whether that's bringing the agenda. Like I recommend doing all these things. Yeah. Meet them in their physical space unless and then if they like they set the tone always. So then if they come back and say, no, I have a little more free time and I want to take a walk, which is just probably not usually going to happen. But if they say that, then, you know, they can set the tone and change the space. Yes. This is very important. Right. And then bring an agenda that has talking points. Mm. Otherwise, it's not worth wasting their time. And especially, I think this is most important in an organization that uses uh, calendaring systems, which most probably do. Right. But like organization-wide calendaring systems, think about it. If you are like, okay, I've got to have this meeting with my leader just to get FaceTime, but you don't come with anything valuable. You are wasting that person's time and they're going to think that you are just, you're not worth anything Mm. because you're wasting their time with nonsense, right? So come with an agenda that makes sense. And you know what? There's been plenty of times if I am like, there's only one thing or I don't really have anything on my agenda, I'll be like, I don't really need to meet and I don't want to waste your time and I want to tell you ahead of time so you get that hour time block back and you yes, can use it for Lord. something else. Yes. Right. You better preach it, sister. Yes. Like, I'm just very passionate about this one because it's something that I, I didn't know early on. And it always, I was always like, well, we should like the leader should be willing to meet me halfway. And I have learned since it's mm. not like that. People like, don't understand why, though. Right. They don't understand why. And it is it's because usually like I think about, OK, even now, my nine to five supervisor schedule is so incredibly packed that like there is no way if they get any time back in there, they're like, oh my gosh, I can work on, like I can actually check my email today, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just important to understand that that it's not because they don't want to meet with you or they don't want to spend that FaceTime with you. It's just because they need that time and time is precious, especially Mm -hmm. to a leader. Yes. And you know what? I've had leaders that are like, I so appreciate that. Like, let's instead go to lunch. Like, take a lunch hour or like, let's go to happy hours so we can like still get the relationship time in. But I appreciate that you gave me back my workday time. Yes, yes, yes. I yes. wish y'all could see my face right now. I got that like, <laughs> ooh, yes, yeah. this is good. I got that face on this. right now. This is good right here. This is, this is good. That's good. Is yes. there anything else that you would add? I mean, I think you did a great job of, of telling the people why it's important and for everyone who, you know, thinking through the situation and may not understand, like, 
I'm in a leadership role, so I definitely understand. And like, I have my priorities too. I have my expectations on myself too. And sometimes they're not even set. Like they're given to me because I got to answer to somebody too. Right. So I'm just like, come on now. Like I got my issues too. Right. And, and some of them are personal and some of them are organizational like focus. So like you coming in there with your little, I'm sorry, not your little issues. Cause I value, I value your input. Right. But you coming in there. I'm like, I got my own drama going on here. <laughs> like, come on now. Think about it for a little while and then come back to me if you definitely can't figure it out, you know. And oh, that was the other thing. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt Oh, no, you. go ahead because I'm I'm like, ooh, I'm on my little tangent right now. But that is, is the good. other thing is that if you are meeting with a supervisor because there is an issue or a problem, don't just come to them with a the problem and then sit back and look at them with like big doe eyes. Yeah. Like come to them with the issue or the problem and potential solution. Yeah. And always have more than one potential solution because the, we talked about this before in hierarchy and in, um, oh man, you use such a great word that I can't remember. I don't remember it either, but if know. you say I said it, I said it. <laughs> but that person at the top needs to be able to be the one to make that decision. Yes. You know, and so, and they might be like, thank you for these proposed solutions. This one is the best one. Here's why, like, help me implement it, right? So I just think this one, this one is just, I'm really passionate about because it took me a long time to learn it. But once I did, man, like life just snapped together, you know? Yes. Yes. I like what you said though. Don't come with issues, come with solutions. Yep. Ooh, I think that's powerful. It's okay to come with the issue, Mm. but only if you have solutions. Have that issue wrapped up in a solution. (laughs) Yeah. Oof, yes, Lord. I mean, I don't want to mislead people. And, like, there's probably going to be times, like, if it's a major issue and it's way above your head and you just need somebody to know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm going to go back to being serious. Now, yes, that was a great point that you just made. Um, You know, context. Context. It matters. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's go to number seven. Okay. So Maxwell's number seven is know when to push and know when to back oh, off when you're gosh. leading up. Oh, girl, you, ooh, so- <laughs> you're getting in here good. I should have like looked through all of this stuff. Ooh, so come on, bring it, sister, bring it. He says, spend time learning the atmosphere and culture of the workplace so you know when to push and when to back off when you're making demands or asking things or trying to help your leader. Pushing for something that you believe in is good, but if it's not balanced with knowing when to back off, you might back yourself right out the door. Mm, mm, mm. You might back yourself where? Right out the door. Mm. Meaning like, you you know, you might just, you might not work there anymore. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, this is good. Ooh, yes. This is good. Y'all should, if y'all can see my face right now, uh, I know I said that just a little while ago, but I got this, dude, this is good. Like, I just drunk, like, some, like, sour lemonade or something, but it's, like, tart, but it's good, and it hits you right in the back of the throat. <laughs> mm. I also, With I want to say. two cups of sugar. I think that this is a difficult skill to, to Okay, I think I think that this is a difficult skill to learn, and the reason I think it can be difficult, especially like the millennial generation, switches jobs a lot. And the reality is that 
every new organization and new work environment is going to have a way different culture than what you're used to. Definitely. So I think it's a difficult skill to learn. So it is. I agree. My questions for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll start with first one. Okay. Have you ever pushed something in the workplace that like, have you just pushed it too hard or you like felt repercussions (laughs) from pushing? Um, I'm sure I have at some point in my career, but you know, I mean, you just don't th- remember it. these ain't the ones that you remember. I'm waiting for you to ask me. Okay, well, let me ask. Me. Oh, oh that, that was me. Yeah, that's it, oh, so okay, have you? yeah. I'm okay. like, I might say, I don't remember yeah. me doing it, even though I'm pretty sure I have. But I so, showed up and tell you that somebody didn't do good. it to me. Okay, well, that's my next question. So oh, let me okay. know, like, right. as a leader, has yeah. somebody ever pushed too hard on something that just, like, turned you off? And, I mean, you, maybe you didn't let them go, although yeah. maybe you did. I don't know. Like, yeah. what have you ever had situations like that? It sounds like you have. Yeah. I, I, so tell I, I us. I talked about it a little bit earlier. Spill the dirt. I think in a... In an earlier question in this episode, I talked about it where someone wanted to come and make a change to a policy or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they were really pushy. But I got plenty of examples, though. So I shared that one earlier. And it could also relate to number seven. Um, But in general, like I get this all the time. And I try to understand and I take the approach what have I said or what have I not said to make the person one feel like it's okay to come at me like that, mm. but two to make them feel like it's okay to keep coming at me like that. Mm. So that's my approach that I that I normally take. But yes, I've had somebody push something so hard and it's usually around something that they're really passionate about. Right. So over my time and growth as a leader, I have had to adapt and become more flexible and not be a dream crusher. I was going to say, do you crush dreams? Yes, yes, yes. I I guess sometimes it's necessary to do that. I've had to do that before, but like... How often do you crush trees? Oh, uh, well, it, it depends. Um, I mean, obviously right now in my current leadership role in the organization that I'm in, I have a lot of people that I lead. Yes. So for instance, depending on the professional, the full-time professional staff, they've kind of figured it out and I don't really crush their dreams as much because I have a lot of interaction with them and they kind of know what my priorities are, what my expectations are. So it's easier to kind of work with them and navigate with them through it. But the part-time employees who are on the front line and who are in the weeds and who know a lot more about the ins and outs and the intricacies of what's going on on a ground level, they have so many ideas and so many things that they want to do and so many things they want to change. And I'm like, you part time, like you're going to only be here for like another 12 weeks. <laughs> so you want to implement this and make this change just for you. And then you're going to be gone. Right. And you don't actually think about how it impacts the organization. No. Yeah. So I be crushing dreams left and right at that level. And yeah. I'm, I'm saying that like I'm proud of it. Like I'm not proud of it, but at the same time. I'm like, hey, you got to think of this big picture, first of all. Second of all, are you thinking of this from um, a perspective of just you or how this can benefit everybody? Everybody. So, yes, I'd be out there crushing dreams. um, But back to my professional level staff, I do have some that 
are dreamers um, and they want to do a lot of great things. And I really appreciate that. Um, but one of the most important things that I think is forgotten is timing and the importance of timing. So if I crush your dream or I tell you no, or I'm like, no, nah, we can't do this right now. It's not because I just want to tell you, no. the timing may not be good. And, and where I fall short, because, you know, I don't mind calling myself out where I fall short. A lot of times is explaining that to them. As opposed to just being like, no, nah, we can't do this right now. Sorry about it. Right. So, so I'm definitely going to call myself out on it. I can do better at that by explaining to them that the timing is not right and why the timing is not right. And when would be an appropriate time to possibly bring it back up? Right. But because I don't do that, I think I also put myself in a position to where they're going to come in there and nag me about it for the next couple of weeks. Good point. Yeah. So I just basically kind of call myself out and found a solution to <laughs> how to resolve this. Look but at yes, you leading up to yourself. I know, right? I'm leading up to myself. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Um, His number eight is become a go-to player. Exude excellence in everything you do at work and become invaluable to your team, to your leadership, and to your boss. You alluded to this. You said this earlier, a little bit earlier, is, you know, talking about becoming invaluable. Yeah, Um, definitely. And I feel like this is a different one than the being a always making it happen. What was that word that he used? The... Um, you're the whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Thank you. Oh, you know I remember one. Yeah. that one. Whatever I think it takes. I think this is different than the whatever it takes, in that this is focused more on the quality of your work than the your quantity of saying yes and yes and yes and yes and yes to yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is really really important, and there I don't see that there's a downside to this because when you talk about excellence, that's what everybody wants in the workplace: high quality high excellence, high performance. Yeah, definitely. So why does this matter to leaders? Like, why should you lead up in this way by exuding excellence? Uh, I think it's like you said, on a personal level, you become invaluable. And in the process of you becoming invaluable, like there's so much growth and so much development for you personally. I mean, you get to test out skill sets and improve in skill sets. Right. Um, On the flip side, if you're not talking about it from a personal perspective and you're talking about it from like the organization, organization. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think it's very important. One, because when you talk about excellence and you're talking about providing a service or getting um, results that are identified as excellent you're making the organization look good. Right. And I hope that you have a leader that definitely gives credit when it's due. And they're identifying the people that are involved and they are whatever their system of rewarding or acknowledgement is. They're taking that approach and, and appreciating what you're doing. Because when you talk about excellence, obviously it's big picture. It makes everybody look good and in a personal light, it gives you opportunity to develop different skill sets, improve in certain areas. And it also makes you invaluable when you're talking about sustainability and your position and you have an opportunities. 
Right. So let me dig in a little bit more on this because I want to know how would somebody go about demonstrating like excellence to their leadership, like being this go-to player that's high quality. Like, how do you demonstrate that? Like, what do you look for in your employees when you look for this? I think one, taking ownership. I think that's very important. I look for people to take ownership. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think it's super important and I don't know, like I hope that people know what it means, but they may not. Yeah. So like when you're demonstrating something to leaderships and, and and we talk about it earlier about taking stuff off of plates and things like that. But if there's something that you're going to take on and something that you're going to assign to yourself for that is assigned to you, excellence or, or striving for excellence is the top priority. So you take ownership of that and you okay. make sure that you apply yourself fully. and You right. take responsibility for uh, the things that work out and the things that don't. Ooh, so responsibility for maybe your failures. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So that's a part of taking ownership. And that's when you have those moments to where you fail you have ownership of it so you're gonna apply yourself and figure out what you need to do to turn it ah, um, I so, like that. so so that's what i mean when i say take ownership take responsibility okay um i think another way that you can demonstrate it is by showing support okay and um i think that that's very important when you're talking about um, you're a leader needing assistance, you being there and being available to support them. And I know we talked about support a little bit earlier in the episode, um, but I think by showing support it is, is one of the most valuable ways that you can demonstrate to your leadership that you have their best interest and the organization's best interest in the forefront of your thoughts. I I think that this is super important. And I remember a time when we worked very closely together um, and there were joint decisions that you and I had to make with, you know, I don't how many staff worked for us at the time, like probably the same number that you have now. Right. 150 between the both of us. And we had to make joint decisions and we had to enforce these decisions. And it was so much easier on us as leaders to enforce them and to make sure that they were the right decisions um, and that they were when they when the decisions themselves were supported by the staff. Right. Right. And so I think about that with this, um, especially as you were talking through it, is like our go to players at that point in time were those people who like there was a lot of and I remember and I feel okay talking about this because they were student staff who are no longer there anymore. Um, But there were a lot of student staff that would balk at like you guys changed this policy completely and I don't get it and therefore I don't understand and I'm not going to follow it. Yeah. And there were a lot of a lot of them that did that. But the ones who didn't and the ones who were like, come on, guys, we've got to do this. And they were rallying the other employees like this is going to be fine. There's a vision like they could clearly see the vision for the organization as a whole, not just the fact that the policy changed. Right. Like those were the invaluable players, go to players who just helped the organization be excellent. Absolutely. And that's a very clear. I, I mean, I'll always remember that. Yeah. And I think that leads like I'm glad you said that because that just sparked another thought 
Um, but I think that leads into something else that I would like to add is like in order for you to be considered a go to, you have to deliver like you have to perform. If you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. If you're going to accept a role or a position, you have to fulfill what we're asking for. and You have to deliver. And you have to perform. I think that's another um, very, very important one to add to if you're going to become a go to player. Um I mean, when it comes down to it, you have to perform. Yep. Agree. I mean, well, you know, that's what you get paid for. That's right? what you get paid for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, def- I definitely, I definitely well think- do it well. And yeah. yeah. So I think that's a way that you can demonstrate it, um, to, you know, to your leadership. Okay. Yep. So we made it to number nine. Woo. Number nine. I know. We both really like this topic. Of engine, engine yeah. number nine oh. on the New York train. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is that like a nursery rhyme? Nah, that was a, a song. Digital Underground, I think. Yeah. Oh. I was. Is that like a rap song? Y- but yeah, sure. <laughs> Come on, stay on task. Okay. We're at number nine. We all We're at number there. nine. Yeah, number, um, nine. number nine. So Maxwell says, be better tomorrow than you are today. Goals are valuable, but growth helps you achieve those goals. Demonstrate that you're committed to growth by receiving constructive feedback and pursuing opportunities for personal development. I think this is good right here. And it's a good (laughs) one to like finish up on because this is us right here. Yep. Like, was this intentional? No. Like, this is literally his ninth one. This is ninth one. I didn't move anything around at all. This is what we do. Yeah. We help people become better. We help people. Through personal development. Through personal development and personal growth. Yeah. And our emphasis just happens to be heavily focused on leadership. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, man, she just brought this thing right on home. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. I actually, this was not planned. Okay. Go ahead. Where are we going with this one with number nine? Sorry. Right. Well, so for me, I just want to know, I think, you know, from your point of view, um, why is personal growth so important in somebody's ability to lead up? Well, you know how I feel about this. You have to be progressive. You have to grow. You have to improve your skill set. You have to improve your knowledge in order to be successful. You know, I strongly believe in that. Um, But why is personal growth so important? Because it advances your skill set. And with with that, what I mean by advances your skill set, by you continually growing in whatever area it is that you're in, like your skill set continues to grow and continues to improve. And what that does is that increases your credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, wow, this person is staying up to date on their skill set. They're staying up to date on their knowledge. They're staying um, up to date on everything and they're continuing to grow. So the credibility with that continuously improves. Um, so I think that's one reason why personal growth is so important in your ability to lead up because credibility is so important when you're talking about leading a group, when you're talking about leading people, when you're talking about leading an organization, the credibility is so important because if you don't have that, nobody's going to really feel comfortable following you or want to follow you. Right. So if you just stay stagnant 
in your leadership skill set or abilities, then the people are going to look at you and be like, "Uh, I want to go find another leader who can offer me more or provide me more in leadership. Right. Yeah. Um, So making sure that you advance your skill set and then that will um, in response improve or increase your credibility. Okay. Um, I think another reason why personal growth is so important is, and I've said it multiple times throughout this episode, is it increases your value and you will always win with your value increasing. Yep, I agree. Uh, So the more you grow, the more you learn, the more your value increases, which can better prepare you or propel you to whatever that next level or step is. Or it can put you in a setting or an environment or atmosphere with people who can help uplift you as well. So that's in your current role or that's bringing you or you going higher. Interesting. Yeah. And then definitely because it does or because he's saying a lot about what we do, it keeps you motivated. Yeah. That growth, it keeps you motivated. That's it true. keeps you inspired. I know when I go to a conference or I learn something, like when I leave, I'm like, all right, I have this extra set of tools. Yep. You know, I have this extra knowledge. I've improved my skill set. I'm motivated. I'm inspired to go and do even a little bit more. Yep. Um, so I think yeah, conferences that, always motivate me, but I I do think well, it depends on the conference. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I do think it's important to also just like, for me personally, I'm motivated when I perfect a new skill. Like I learn and perfect a new skill that I didn't have before. Yeah. So there's definitely an element of like, I get motivated by other people, but I also get motivated by my own development, even if other people are not involved. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so I just want to, I want to make sure like, I don't want people run out being like, oh, we got to go to all these conferences now, but yeah, you no. know, it's not always. Yeah. And, but However you know what? You develop yourself. Ooh, good yeah. question. However you develop yourself. Yeah. And it really depends on what's best for you. Yep. I mean, you're working on it now. You're listening to us. That's right. And this is free. Yep. Bring us in. Yeah. Bring us in. I'm Even telling better. you. I'm telling you. Yeah. We'll rock your world. We will. Mm-hmm. Sure will. So um, this was awesome. And I love John Maxwell. Yeah. Um, but I love us and our examples even more. <laughs> Definitely. I it's agree. just fun to put some context. I, yeah, you know? I agree with you on that a hundred percent. Yeah. But the school of leadership has been fun just because we're both so passionate about it and yeah. it is what we do. Um, and if you want to see more of that, check out our website, the which is literally just our last name and the love it co. Um, But check it out because we do this on an individual basis where we do success coaching for people and really help you understand, depending on where you are in your life, obviously, if you listen to this entire series on the School of Leadership, we can help you whether you are the leader or whether you are a mid-manager or whether you are an entry-level employee and you just don't know how to interact with your leader yet. Yes, that's right. 
Um, and then we can also help large organizations handle this as an organization because that can be tricky too. It's very different than individual. Yeah. Um, and so we really provide these like very similar training services and consulting services in regards to leadership capacities yes. for organizations. Everything we do is unique and it's dynamic. I don't know if you can pick it up on here. And I know we did this um, series more kind of like I don't want to use the term lecture, but just kind of informative style. But when we come into you, I mean, we are engaging and we are so interactive. I mean, you're not just sitting down, taking notes the whole time and being um, just given and lectured information. So no, we don't operate that yeah, way. No, we don't people work don't that way. learn best. No. That way. People learn best with mixed methods. No, yeah. And that's what we use. So if you can't, I mean, I hope you can pick up the personalities. If you've followed us and you listen to the podcast regularly, hopefully you can pick up the personalities that we have here, but we work very well with each other. So yeah. we just had to share that out because leadership is a strong component of what we provide in yeah. our business yeah um, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to do this and take time to cover um, these different leadership philosophies and theories absolutely so what's what's next that is that it for this that's it for the okay, school cool. leadership I'm yeah about to say what's next like we we gonna keep going and you said it we only had nine <laughs> yeah we only had nine um we have some new and exciting episodes coming up that we're super excited to definitely um get out to you guys and we have plans for this entire year to make it a great uh learning experience for you absolutely um most likely entertainment experience for you as well <laughs> Um, so stay tuned and don't forget to check us out on our social media handles, which you will hear about in just a minute. That's right. We are done. Yep. We are done. Yep. Until and the next time. This is the end of the school of leadership for now. For now. All right. Well, until the next time. Bye. We out. Hey, everybody. If you like today's episode, please subscribe to the Success in Black and White podcast. You'll get notified every time a new episode is posted, which is every Tuesday. If you loved this episode, help us spread the love. Rate and leave a review on our iTunes podcast episode. Also, share that you listen on social media and tag us on your posts. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all social media platforms. And mine is April Dawn Love It on all social media platforms as well. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, you sound like Keith Sweat. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Ugh. laughs> oh. Oh, did it record? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>